Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Welcome everyone to the Custard TV podcast. My name is Matt. Luke again is away. He's had two weeks with us and and he's disappeared. Uh, Joining me today we have Sarah. Hello Sarah. Hello Matthew. Uh, Sarah, last time you were on uh, you were heading off uh, for a treat for your 40th birthday. How did that go? Really well. I am battered and bruised. (laughs) Really? But yeah, oh my god. Was it one of those type of parties? Mm, Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah, and we had to pay for the privilege. No, it was an adventure weekend in Wales. So we did uh, stand up paddle boarding. My case, it was kneeling down paddle boarding. That was enough. That was plenty for me. Um, Then we did a zip line. We did free falls. We did an indoor ninja assault course. Um, we did rock climbing. We did all sorts of stuff. It was amazing. Packed all that into one day, then went into a lovely uh, spa the next day. So, oh, great. and also joining us today, um, what what area are you, Michael? Which jury are you representing? I'm from the Devon area. Michael, since we last on the podcast, got engaged. Everyone. I have got Woo! engaged. Yeah. Yes, I have. So, congratulations yeah. to you. We are literally uh, planning in the stages of planning and it's like two years away. We've set a date, but we're going to try and keep it as low key as possible because we're not into all the grand gestures and all the, you know, we won't get anyone to buy us presents or any of that stuff. It will just be reception one day, party the next day and that'll be it. Yep, it's got to be about the party. And if you like me and Luke to DJ, then, you know, we're always here. (laughs) We'd only play TV themes, but, you know. (laughs) I went to a Disney nightclub the other week. Oh, God, that sounds awful. It was awful. It was awful. It literally, for my 42nd birthday, we were going to Torquay for the weekend. It was on. We thought, let's dress up as Mickey and Minnie. And we were the only ones in there who made an effort, apart from someone (laughs) who was dressed in, like, a white bedsheet, as supposedly the snowman from uh, Frozen. (laughs) And someone had, like, a tiger onesie on. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to go to Torquay? (laughs) nobody wants to go to talk and it played loads of songs i didn't know any of the songs apart from maybe one and we're just i'll be left after about an hour (laughs) this sounds terrible and i love it yeah surprised you lasted that long really an hour i know we were dressed up we thought we made an effort this could be a podcast don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those uh definitely not anyone with a computer can make one this is the custard tv podcast yes that would entertain me briefly from the custardtv.com on the docket today we have four i would say very different dramas uh we've got conversations with friends which is 
the adaptation of the Sally Rooney Sally Rooney novel uh, on BBC Three, all on the iPlayer now. Uh, the Time Traveller's Wife, which is an uh, adaptation of the novel, and that's on Sky Atlantic. We have got Floodlights, which is um, on BBC Two. That is a single drama. And we've got The Essex Serpent, which, again, is another adaptation, and that is on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, but first, let's kick off with those those plugs. Uh, Michael, you have a podcast. I do, yeah. I'm just about to start up in June uh, a new podcast about my favourite TV show. It's about being human, the BBC Free show called The Box Tunnel Survivors Group. That does make sense. The first two episodes of what I'm going to do is on the full moon of June, I'm going to release the first two episodes. So, uh, yes, each episode I'm going to have a different fan of the show, just go through the show and talk about what's right, what's wrong, what's funny, what's not. Russell Tovey's bum probably will feature because <laughs> <laughs> it because it does a lot. Yeah, that's coming in mid June. And what about the Manic Street Preachers podcast? Is that still yeah, going? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing Manic Street Speakers. It's on hold a bit at the minute because there's not a lot going on in that world, and also obviously my, my time's going to be devoted to the new one. But yeah, that's still going. There's about twenty episodes out of that at the moment. And Sarah, where can we read your scribblings currently? My scribblings are at whynow.co.uk. Have a look in the TV section my musings on life and everything else is that a website you may have heard of called twitter.com uh, and i am <laughs> at sarah hamstera um, and that's all i've got going on at the moment but yeah watch this space because that may change mm. i've got nothing cryptic to add but um the cost tv podcast that you are listening to we have got over 300 episodes to look back on we are on spotify we are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Stitcher, and you can also find us on thecustardtv.com. And there is also currently up there a article about Apple TV Plus, which is very relevant because we'll be talking about one of their programmes today, and also a retrospective because it is 20 years of spooks. And we all feel very old because I remember the first episode. Talking telly on the Custard TV podcast. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Let's do it! Ready? Here we go. So uh, we are going to start with conversations with friends and I will head over to Michael to uh, just set this up for us briefly. Uh, as you said, it's an adaptation of uh, the... What's her name? Jesus Christ, you just told me. Sally Rooney. Are you okay? Uh, You're having a moment. I'm having a moment too. Uh, it's an adaptation of the Sally Rooney uh, book in the same vein, really, as uh, as Normal People that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, it's based on two teenagers, Francis and Bobby, who are students who are based in Dublin. They're poets and they know it. Um, <laughs> they perform at Spoken Word Nights. And they soon befriend a novelist and her actor, husband. And in the first two episodes that we've seen, things get a bit complicated between their relationships on both sides of things. And it seems like it's heading for something very messy. And obviously there's an issue with age gap as well. I think that's going to be happening as well. I felt like I was having deja vu because it, it felt pretty much like normal people. <laughs> in its tone, in its pace. Uh, one of the actors even looked similar. I felt like I was watching normal people again, just without naked people. <laughs> Yet. It was, it was so similar, it like just in the way it was edited mm. as well. It was so... It is the same director as well, yeah. Lenny Abrahamson, 
is the director, certainly of these first two episodes. And um, I was reading it has the same intimacy coordinator, which would suggest incoming yes. Rudy Nudy yeah. bits. <laughs> I know, obviously, Michael, you watched all the normal people. Did you, Sarah, as well? No. <laughs> Absolutely. So that, in- did not look like my cup of tea whatsoever. I don't sort of consume a lot of like romance stories mm. and I wasn't particularly fussed about these very worthy intellectual student type characters. Um, and then the the sort of very successful power couple with their beautiful house was just edging into ITV drama territory for me. Didn't re- I wasn't really fussed about any of these characters as people. I don't think I would want to hang out with any of them. Um, I must make a confession at this point really didn't want to watch the second episode so I didn't <laughs> okay I felt the same as you but when I watched the second episode you certainly understood the the Francis character a bit more I felt Michael yeah she's probably the heart of the show going mm-hmm. forward I think I I have the same feeling that I do with previous one it is it is essentially helped by the fact that it's half an hour long because mm. That's how I got through normal people because it was half an hour long and I probably took three or four weeks to watch it. I thought, oh, I am kind of intrigued to see where it goes Mm. because it's a slow pace. The half an hour, I think, helps that because you can just you don't have to watch an hour of it at one go. I think an hour would be a big struggle. And I think in the first two episodes, like normal people, it does set up enough that makes you want to know where it goes. Mm. I've heard things said about this, that they're not very likable characters. I don't think anyone's particularly unlikable francis probably is like i say the heart of the show and that's where they want the the viewers to relate to her more than anything because she's very quietly spoken very shy i actually rather unkindly wrote down at one point is francis going to do anything (laughs) (laughs) because she's very much the quiet observer certainly in the first episode but then right at the end of that first episode there's sort of like a cheeky glance between her and Nick and you're like, oh, this is going to heat up. It wasn't enough for me at that mm. point to sort of go, I want to know what happens. Interestingly, that you, you talk about how it reminded you so much of normal people, not just in the characters and the sort of storyline and the direction and everything. Because normal people was massive. It was, it was a mm. huge juggernaut of success. Everyone was talking about it and I felt like I was missing out by not watching it. But if these are on a par... I don't know. Were we just desperate for entertainment? Did it come down in COVID times? <laughs> I just, I don't understand. Well, normal people was helped by the fact that COVID happened because BBC One didn't have anything to put on, mm. on, I believe it had on Monday nights. It was literally just going to be a BBC three iPlayer job. But then we need something, let's put this on. And that's how it became like a massive phenomenon of that year. I think in terms of normal people and the and the comparison, that was helped by the structure of the show and the fact it only had two characters. They were quite disparate to begin with and there was the sort of class element there as well. Is Marianne, wasn't it, the female? Yeah. She was from quite a wealthy background and, and Connell was from a working class background and Connell's mum cleaned for Marianne and that's how they knew each other. And then it sort of followed them through uni. So it, it sort of felt a bit more spaced out and it's sort of how things change as you get older. Obviously, I'm not sure where the story goes here, but I think that the issue is that you're following four characters instead of two. So your intention is sort of diverted 
between all four. I did enjoy the performance um, from Alison Oliver, I believe is the actress's name. As you say, uh, Sarah, is she going to do anything? That is very much the normal people aesthetic, I think. There's a lot of glancing and gazing and she's the sort of quiet character and I think that's where she recognises in Nick that he's quite quiet and reserved even though he is an actor when he's not on stage and there is that attraction between them and actually both sets of characters act on that attraction by the end of episode two but I I think it helped seeing her back home it was odd seeing Tommy Tiernan play her father because I, I was thinking a bit Derry Girls, but he's playing a very different character and her mum as well. I, I, I think that scene with the dad, Michael, I think was the best thing about it because you just saw them yeah. not talk, watching the telly, both eating, but there wasn't that dialogue well, there. And you can sort of see the dad in her a little bit. They were very disparate, but then she was the same with her her mum. Her mum... She didn't really get a lot, a lot off her mum either. So she, there's basically a scene where she's barely talking to her mum. She leaves and then she goes visits her dad, and he just sits there watching TV and doesn't talk to her. And yeah, that was probably the standout moment because it gives you more of a view of her and why she is like she is. I know it's lazy just to say it's like normal people, but even normal people had like them going back and visiting their family and. Mm. And, you know, obviously the teenage aspect of it as well. It's it's easy to watch telly, I would say. It's mm. very easy to watch. You don't have to commit massive lots of attention to it. So half an hour chunks here and there, I will probably get through it. But I wouldn't say it's exciting. <laughs> or then I didn't think normal people was that exciting. I didn't quite get the hype for that. But no. I, that, that I, makes me feel better for having sort of let that hype train depart the station and mm. not climbed on. I, I was a, I was a big proponent of normal people, I have to say. I watched that all over probably the course of about three days. I think those two performances and those two characters over that period of time, you know, you are sort of a bit of an idiot when you're younger. And I think it sort of depicted that well. And how you change, because obviously he was the popular guy at school and she didn't have any friends and then that changed when they got to university but and then they get together and split that's, up and... that's the thing when you say that about idiots i was so frustrated with them to by the end of the series because they were splitting up getting back together splitting up and i was like for goodness sake but then i realized you know they are teenagers mm. and that's, they didn't understand how to communicate with each other or say how they felt so that's why they were such a mess they were probably the right people for each other but they just didn't communicate it and that's mm. why they ended up how they did. So I wasn't quite sure when it was supposed to be set because they're definitely reaching for like a simpler time. There's that 90s grungy look everywhere. The computers are there, but they're so hidden away and the smartphones are used really sparingly. But, oh, my God, watching people type a message on a phone is dull. <laughs> this might be my new bugbear because I watched the first couple of episodes of Heartbreaker and mm. those kids spend every waking moment online messaging their friends. But having that camera over someone's shoulder as they laboriously type out a message and then delete a bit and type a bit because they're not quite sure what to say. They don't have the right words. As you were saying, you know, it's difficult to communicate. So boring. How I wish for a little bit of that Sherlock pizzazz with words on the screen or no, I was gonna say, any other you, way. Of a lot of shows are doing that now, aren't they? Most shows are doing the, the, the words up on the screen now. 
But these are very naturalistic shows, aren't they? You mm. know, they don't want to jerk you yeah. out of that moment by saying, oh, look, we're a TV show. Look how shiny this is. Yeah. But there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a middle ground between it because it's so boring to watch. Is that going to be the Sarah special? Are we going to coin it, that? It, like... could, it could be. Unless directors take my advice now. It's going to get really tedious. No, I think we. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better on that mm, one. But I think so too. Everyone loves the normal aesthetic, but I don't know how well this will do because I think the rights for this were picked up directly after Normal People. As Michael said, if you like that aesthetic, I think, again, we might be a little bit old for this. I don't know if that's, that's an element there. I think that's part of it. Even though if it is based at younger people, it's very slow paced and very to date but then normal people was the same and that 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 found a massive young audience so yeah i think age is part of it definitely i don't know maybe if it is made for binging rather than watching episodically because it is all on the iplayer now you know if next episode next episode but then i suppose sarah didn't even feel compelled to do it to do her i couldn't (laughs) even though i knew i was gonna get raked over the coals i could not not from me you know i'm the I'm the nice teacher, you know, you, your headmaster would maybe. You're the, you're the good cop, I know. The good cop, yeah. And the unbearable bit was the poetry, the performance poetry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been to pubs where they started doing poetry and I'm like, I just want a drink. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of place that does snaps instead of claps. I just, I'm allergic. I am allergic. Yeah, I totally agree. If you haven't been deterred by Sarah's words and would like to check out uh, Conversations with Friends, I mean, I quite enjoyed it. I think I'm where Michael is, you know, I'll I'll give it, because the episodes aren't a massive commitment, I might give it another go. I mean, it is 12 episodes, so that's two more than normal people. (laughs) Just Um, feels like too much. Like, I don't know. Is there enough story in this? Is this former couple, which is so complicated. The girls who mm. used to be a couple, but are now friends, As, but the, obviously the, a bit yeah. sad. Not the to line be was, anymore. we gave up the fucking, but kept the poetry. Which just <laughs> seems like the wrong thing to do. <laughs> um, are they going to break up this marriage is basically the, the key question, isn't it? And yeah. do I care enough about anybody to continue uh, watching? Also, no, if, if we're talking about the length of this show, it's something that was on recently, Cheetahs which I literally watched in one night, 10, 12 episodes, and they were like... It was a lot of episodes, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. or maybe it's more than that, yeah. But 10 minutes each, I watched it all in one go, and there's so much happens to that in that, and so many characters and so many twists, it did everything in those 10-minute episodes. Yeah, that's a really good comparison, because that's about messy lives and romance and stuff, and it was fascinating. It had, like, all of the comedy and deep and meaningful sad parts as well, and I enjoyed every second When it started, Yeah, when it started, that felt like, oh, this is going to be really lightweight, I'm not sure about this, but by two or three, four episodes, it's like, it changes entirely. Mm -hmm. I don't think something like Conversations with Friends will do that, because it's all very of its pace and very of its tone, that it's not going to escape out of that box much, and it's 12 episodes does seem a lot. I will. Yeah, you're right, and there's a really good point. It's it's not going to pleasantly surprise us, is it? It's no. just, it is what it is. Um, yeah, all on the iPlayer now is Conversations with Friends, as is Cheaters, I think. <laughs> yeah, watch that instead. <laughs> Next up, another adaptation and book that uh, Sarah has read, The Essex Serpent. Uh, so she is going to just uh, run us through the basics of that. 
this is an adaptation of a book uh, that was so popular by a British writer called Sarah Perry. It's Apple TV knocking it out of the park with dramas again. They really have found their niche end of last year, beginning of this year. You know, they're, they're, I think they're the heavy hitters when it comes to streaming drama at the moment. So this is about Cora who is a young widow, only she is a very fancy London lady um, living in the late 19th century. So she outlives her abusive husband and doesn't know quite what to do with her freedom now. But her passion is natural history. So she sees these news reports of the Essex serpent and decides to run off to Colchester and the surrounding villages to these really beautiful desolate marshland and these tiny villages because she wants to know basically whether there's a, a living fossil she calls it you know a dinosaur in the waters there it's a strange story because it's about faith and rationality and temptation and there's a lot of sort of christian biblical references to it and it's also quite sexy and sensual as well it's, it's a strange fish <laughs> so cora's love interest in london is luke garrett who is a young doctor who thinks he's a genius. And he kind of is because he's attempting heart surgery on a guy. He thinks a lot of himself, but she's not ready for husband number two. So she decides to escape to the countryside with her young son, Francis, um, who likes collecting things as well. And I think um, has got autistic traits. Um, And her female companion, Martha, who's kind of like that sort of weird Victorian friend slash servant slash dog's body slash PA. Um, That's who also, is, I thought. Well, mm, yes, <laughs> she's wonderful. Played by one of Luke's favourite actors. Hayley Squires. That's right, Hayley Squires, and she's great. And then the big name, obviously apart from Claire Danes, is Tom Huddleston, who is the sexy vicar in the village of Old Winter, who is trying to keep his flock from panicking because they are convinced that this serpent is real, like livestock's going missing and being killed. And then um, teenage girl Gracie goes missing and and turns up dead as well. And they are crazy panicking. And Cora thinks that by going that she can maybe calm the waters, but obviously she doesn't because she's very good at putting her foot in it with the locals. It's very gorgeous to watch. This first episode especially is quite slow, so I can see why a lot of people would not have given it the time it needs. But honestly, like I've watched ahead, I've watched two episodes. It does pick up pace. It gets really intriguing. Um, And I know the book as well. And I found the book completely satisfying, which is not something I often say about books, but I really enjoyed it. So I hope you guys did too. I have to say I did find it a bit slow and a bit dreary. I, I did get about halfway through the second episode as well to sort of try and give it that sort of benefit of the doubt and I don't think the central mystery really worked for me you know there's that obvious are Claire Danes and the vicar gonna have a a bit of a affair it was all very sort of drab where it was prominently set on the on the coast it was all very dark. The music was very foreboding and, you know, is this serpent real? It's very gothic-y, isn't mm. it? It's, there's that sort of, like, malevolent horror in the background. Yeah. I, I did think that the flat landscape is perfect for, like, long, squishy, dramatic coats, which everybody wears. <laughs> the costumes are very sort of elaborate and it, it all looks 
good. It was just a little bit too slow for me, a little bit too drab, a little bit too wet. I did identify with the son who says, I don't like fresh air. That was very me. Yeah, just not for me. But I can see why why other people would like it. Well, firstly, it should have been called Cora the Explorer. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I think uh, Nickelodeon might have had something to say about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, Sarah, you say that it picks up because I was about halfway through, I was thinking the most exciting thing that's happened is a sheep rescue. <laughs> it did get a bit James Herriot, didn't it? It did a bit. <laughs> it's very dark. It's very dimly lit. It's very moody. I struggled. I did find myself looking at the clock going, how long, you know, oh God, only 20 minutes and stuff. But I think one major strength of it was the music. I love the music and it's that sense of atmosphere that it gave it. And secondly, once it got to the last 10, 15 minutes and I realised what show it was, I was more on board with it. Because I think throughout it, I was a bit like, I don't know what this is yet. I because, see. So maybe when they sort of concentrated on what was happening in the village, did that sort of connect with you better than running about between London and yes, an Essex yeah, coast? yeah. I, I know they were setting up the characters, and but I think once it got to the mythology of the serpent and the, the disagreements about that and her going there, it made more sense of what that show is now, and I will definitely give it more of a go now. Because I just I th- just felt unsettled because I didn't know what it was. Mm. I think it's trying to do a lot. And I think the book is trying to do a lot as well. There's themes and themes and themes. But the undercurrent, haha, more, more nautical jokes. So many <laughs> nautical jokes. The undercurrent is the dramatic change, societal change that happens at the end of the 19th century. Mm. And how it's changing so rapidly. None of the old certainties are true anymore. Um, and it's about that fear that goes hand in hand with change so there's all kinds of stuff about the church and about evolution and about a woman's place and the medical side of it as well yeah exactly that that is pretty grisly yeah the surgery Um, scenes i think they should come with a bit of a warning because they are i think surgery scenes should come with a warning in general but especially in old timey hospitals you know where you're like oh do you even understand the importance of hand washing you know you're just like I'm so scared for these patients that do make it off the table you know but I think with the medical thing I think that's part of it I was thinking is this a medical drama or that's what I that's what I mean by it because there was mm. so even though it's quite slow paced there was a lot of setting up going on and, and yeah it's just, it, and I then was... it's weird because um, Martha's character then goes back to London to yes. worry about the slums and social housing. Yeah. So yeah, it is. It is trying to do a lot with that definitely. Indian couple. The religion is going to be a theme as well because they, even mm. I was thinking that, and I think they uh, think uh, Claire Dane's character references it. He doesn't believe in the serpent, but he believe almost he believes in a make believe man in the sky. You know, it's that kind of. So it's all about beliefs and the side that interests me, and I don't know how much it plays into that in the future is a community that are believing in this serpent and hyping themselves up and getting worried and scared and where that goes uh, that's Mm. probably the bit that interests me more than anything else it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. that's zero atm fees zero balance requirements and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early open your account with just 25 dollars and see how big zero can be 
Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. And also, shout out to a Tom Hiddleston performance that didn't annoy me. <laughs> yeah. When I when I saw that it had him in it, I was a bit like, oh no, it's going to well, be. Well, he, he hasn't done a, a like a, a normal sensible drama since um, yeah. Night Manager. Night Manager, exactly. Yeah, and he was really good in that. Well, he was he was a bit sort of like uh, Tesco Blue Stripe Blue Stripe Bond. I in that, just I think. think he's generally a bit smug in all the things he does and he, he isn't in this so i was like all oh, right thank god so yeah no that's true i i thought he looked a bit out of place he didn't seem to look like he was in that period as much as everyone else he was like in comfortable sweaters most of the time whereas... lovely knitwear <laughs> mixed opinions here but some of the reviews i've seen as well have been very mixed um, and i think it just sort of depends on your taste I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a bad programme, but just doesn't suit my tastes, I think, maybe. Um, this is yeah. six episodes, six <laughs> hours and done. And that is... That's good. Yeah. In dramas, yeah. just generally, that's a blessing. But then that is the same length as, as Conversations with Friends. That's going to be six hours. I, 12, I'm, I'm much more into Conversations hours. with Serpents. <laughs> conversations <laughs> with Snakes. <laughs> And I would just, again, point people to uh, the article we've got up on the website at the moment, uh, which is written by Amy Beth. And I believe Luke has written part of it as well about uh, the rise of Apple TV Plus. Um, and, you know, as Sarah was saying earlier, how sort of they are knocking out of the park at the moment with their I era. genuinely can't believe that I, a lifelong Android user, is actually seriously considering getting Apple TV. But it's just... It's where all of the really interesting dramas are, where all of the ones that people are talking about reside. But yeah, very much Apple TV Plus, I think, are giving a sort of variety of, of shows as well. It's not all the same sort of thing. And I, I think definitely as, as compared to the Netflix shows we've looked at this year, which I can't think of like a highlight, really, especially the new ones this year. Maybe some of the returners have been well received. But yeah, so... The Essex Serpent is on Apple TV Plus, and we move now to uh, BBC Two. We have a one-off drama called Floodlights. This is a true story based on uh, the life of a footballer called Andy Woodward. Um, it's to do with um, him when he was a youngster in a, a youth team. I believe it is the Crew Alexander youth team. Uh, he was being coached by a guy called Barry Bunnell, who basically systematically abused him through a number of years. Very graphic scenes. I think, again, we should forewarn people that this is quite a hard watch, I found. It sort of intersperses between uh, the scenes in 1989, when he's a youngster, played by an actor called Max Fletcher, and then um, going forward initially to 1997, uh, where he's played by Jared Kearns. 
He is sort of a semi-successful pro footballer at that point. He is approached by the police to say, can you give an anonymous testimony? We believe that you were abused by him as a child. Everyone described you as his favourite. He had previously been arrested, this is uh, Barry Burnell, uh, for abuse of a child in America and was in prison in America and he was about to be let out. So the police were keen to get testimonies from possible abuse victims in the UK. Woodward gives these statements and then sort of goes into a downward spiral. Sacks from the football team, I think. We don't really see it after the first scene. It sort of flashes forward again to 2015, 2016, when he's working for the police. He is suspended following an incident. Again, been inappropriate with someone who he's meant to be in a position of trust with. Again, it's linked to his abuse and his giving this testimony. His wife leaves him. He's got, I think he says, five sons at one point. And he goes to move back in with his parents, who are played by more than Christian, oddly Steve Edge from Phoenix Nights. I don't think I've seen him do sort of a dramatic role before. And he gets more and more depressed. He starts to speak to another gentleman who was on the team with him when they were youngsters, who he thinks may have been abused by Benel as well. Uh, it gets to the point where he tries to commit suicide and then finally gets up the courage to reveal his story to the papers, which then becomes national news and, and people come forward who were similarly abused as well. Now, Woodward, I believe, has been involved with the telling of his story. So it does feel very authentic. You know, I, I felt it was really powerful. It's an important story, well acted. Michael, I'll come to you first. What what did you make of Floodlights? I think with something like this, it's very difficult to separate an important story that is it is good to tell and make people aware of and whether it's a good drama or not or whether it's a good tv show or not and it's a really difficult subject to put on screen so i credit to them for doing it in terms of a drama and i hate to use the word entertainment because it's you know it's not entertaining it's not an entertaining subject I struggled with it a bit. I don't know why. There's nothing particularly bad about the performances or direction or anything like that. It's an important story, but I don't know why. I I, I just felt something lacking. Maybe the emotional punch wasn't enough. It pulled back on some things where maybe it could have gone a bit further in, in saying certain things, maybe. I'm going to disagree here with you, Michael understand that you gave a graphic warning at the start Matt fair enough because I was really loath to watch this I left this till last out of our homework list because I thought oh this is going to be horrific but I think for a drama about child abuse I think they walked it up to the line and they didn't cross it it was emotionally graphic it wasn't that we saw anything so terrible but that's the point of this abuse isn't it these abusers don't cross the line in front of people because they know that they're going to get pulled up on it. So there were some scenes that did make me extremely uncomfortable, but I think they were handled really well. Basically, as a piece of television, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. It does feel like Andrew Woodward is in a downward spiral and it does feel awful to follow him through that. But I was so surprised by how uplifting the ending was. 
I really wasn't expecting that. And I just thought it was incredibly well done. Props to Jonas Armstrong for taking on the role of the abuser, because that's quite a thing to do. It all seemed very normal, didn't it? It was all domestic. Mm. It was all very mm. normal. Yeah. Late 80s, early 90s, you know, when, when we were sort of of a similar age. It was well done and it was insidious. And the poor boy, he put his faith and his trust in this man who said he was, he called himself the star maker. It was horrible. Mm. Um, and he wanted to do well at football because he loved it, but also because he wanted to financially support his family. And so his success was all wrapped up in this abusive relationship. The feelings were so complicated. He sort of valued Barry Bunnell for making him a success, but also hated what had, he had done to him and then had to sort of repress that and keep that in because he wanted to make his family proud. He couldn't be honest with them about what was happening as a child or even as an adult. And that was awful to see him stand in his kitchen when the Cheshire police are there to interview him basically defending his abuser because he's not ready to reveal what happened to him. And to see that powerlessness in an adult, it was it was really shocking. And then right towards the very, very end, when he's in conversation with the journalist and the journalist is trying to say, look, your professional weight as a as a player is so important to us. We can't report this story anonymously or else it's so easy to sweep under the carpet. He questions whether he's a real man because of what happened to him as a child. That was a proper punch in the gut for me. That was awful. That toxic masculinity creep that makes victims feel like it's their fault. It was foul. It was repugnant. It's just little things, but it builds up a picture of a man and a relationship and what he did, not just to Andrew, but to probably hundreds of boys. It was really 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 well done i love the floodlight name yeah. and the fact that everything in it was so gloomy they used light so cleverly yeah because there's the scene where all the lights shut off on him isn't there like mm. you know quite exactly. a heavy metaphor but you oh know, yeah it works. but it works so well because he doesn't want to be in the spotlight he's so ashamed he doesn't want anyone to know anything about what happened but you have to shine a light on these things or else the guy gets away with it well, again, that's the thing, isn't it? How did I let that happen to me rather than, you know, why did he do that, you know? And you would never say that this... to a child, no. would you? How did you let that happen to you? Mm. But, yeah. This was the most gripping thing that we watched this week. I, I oh, without watched this doubt. All, Yeah, I watched this all in one go. I think it's really interesting casting Jonas Armstrong as well because he played a victim of abuse, if you remember, in Line of Duty, Series 3 oh, of right. Line of Duty. Do you remember that? He was one of the boys that was abused at the boys' home. Yeah. God, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. The young actor, um, Max Fletcher, I thought was tremendous. There's that scene that's really stuck with me where he says, can we not do this today because it's Christmas Day? Mm. And that really got yeah. me. And it it was a very emotional, you know, watch. And I, I think it's it's a story that I sort of heard about, but seeing it on screen and seeing it in this way i think a lot of people would be the same like you've possibly heard about this story heard about this abuse but yeah. actually seeing Wasn't it on it, screen was it on like um i'm so bad at football names 
<laughs> it was on it was on one of the big talking heads football shows wasn't it you know and i think football it, focus or something like that yeah and then it was on it was on like a fair few times on i think it was bbc breakfast news mm. it was horrible to watch these men who do trade in masculinity and strength mm. and determination and all of these things sort of like crumble in front of the tv cameras and reveal their sort of inner childhood self the interesting thing they did with the story was when he's done his confession, it still goes on. It's still not the end of the story. And actually, that's impacted him more because it's brought up everything. Mm. You know, he's he was managed to sort of decompartmentalise it in a way and pack it away, move on with his life, have a family. And then suddenly it all comes back. The career mm. comes crashing down. Career was fascinating. That was a like a twist, a shock twist to me. That I was from like inside number nine. I was not expecting. Um, he retires as a footballer, and then I, I think he goes to work in is it specifically child protection services as a family liaison officer. I think, and I was like, that's incredible. My knowledge of that area, it did sound like that that they were dealing with the child protection case, and he mm. was being you know there are officers. It's called that, CPET. The fact that he was there with the social worker would suggest that. Yeah, it was I, like I poss- he was running towards his story, mm. not away from it anymore. And I thought, this is great. This is going to be so good for him. This is where he's going to come clean and forgive himself. But he didn't, of course. He was so close and yet he was still in a spiral. The bit that affected me most was the conversations he had with his old friend, the goalkeeper. Mm. You could see he had moved on with his life because even though the abuse was around him, he wasn't abused. You can see where he was left, just a mess. The the, the bit that was properly effective is like, well, why didn't he do it to you? And he, he just goes, well, we said, I said no. But obviously, that triggers a lot of things in his mind. It's like, well, I didn't say yes. Why didn't I say no? He didn't realise it was so prevalent around mm. other people, really. And I think he used that as a way of, he, he says, he's, I've kicked him off the team, when in yeah. fact he left as a result of that. Mm to make you know him think if I do say no now he's going to kick me off the team you know he used that as a way of abusing him just a fascinating yeah, he story controlled, he controlled the boys success mm. but he didn't but he made them think that and he made their families think that as well which was key to get the families on side when I say like I feel they pulled back a bit I don't mean in the sense of like the child abuse or any of those scenes they played that perfectly you can't show that nor should you show that The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. And obviously... They show up when he's like, touch my arm, touch this and all that kind of stuff. That's the lead up to it. And that's where Mm. they stopped it. And that's absolutely right. I think maybe I think it's just the fact that there feels like gaps missing. It's a one off. It's an hour hour and 20 minutes or whatever it is. You can't fill in all the blanks. And it goes goes back and forth in time sometimes. Maybe it could have been a bit more streamlined. I mean, all Mm. the performances were good and strong and it's a really important message. But maybe at certain points it needed a bit more detail. There was something else I I felt similar on. But, you know, I suppose, you know, you've got like an hour and a half or just under here. You've got a limit. And 
as Sarah said as well, obviously he's been involved with this and he's maybe been allowed to sort of self-edit to an extent as well. You're listening to the Custard TV podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. And now for something completely different. <laughs> now this is another book, The Time Traveller's Wife. I've read this, I think, a long, long time ago because it's, it's, it's of an age now. About maybe sort of 10 years old now. And More I, than that, I think, because the film, think, I think, was 2009. Oh, you're right, you're right, yeah. And I think I sat through the film as well, but I was not fussed about it. Although, <laughs> in my research, I had a little look. Surprising 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Eric Barner and, and Rachel McAdams, I think, yeah. in the in the film. And here we have got two British actors, Theo James and Rose Leslie. It, it's, it's a very odd one to try and set up because it's sort of, as it would suggest moves between times we meet these characters through different parts of their lives uh, it's uh audrey niffenger i think that's it's how you audrey neffenegger okay I, t- I tried and adapted by stephen moffat of uh doctor who and sherlock so rose leslie plays claire and theo james is henry the opening here is like video recordings of them both explaining sort of themselves and how they met and and yeah it felt a bit like modern family yeah explaining the rules of his time travel that he always ends up naked wherever he goes once he's time traveled that he has to learn to was it fight steal and there was a third thing uh running fighting and stealing and he first meets Claire when she is a little girl which is a bit strange but then she's 20 and he's 28 and he hasn't actually met her yet so she knows him but he doesn't know her you talking about words on the screen earlier we got words on the screen here to tell us how old both of them are every time they meet or how old yeah I found that a very strange device Mm. it kind of brings you out of it a bit I do remember that being the same device that was used in the book. I mean, I don't really know what to make of this. It was, not a lot happened really in this. You know, they met, then they forgot each other. There's the big mystery at the end where you see his feet, his severed feet, because we learn he's got a birthmark. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Michael, (laughs) can you shed any light on this? Did you, I mean, this sort of, fantasy romance i suppose there was a lot of setting up to do him learning how to be a time traveler from his future self yeah it's weird i'm i'm hitting this on stephen moffat's stuff because mm. like when he reigns himself in he can be really good and really clever but when he's given a whole series to himself and they say obviously i don't know how true it is to the book or the film i've not i don't know either sometimes he just tries to get a bit too clever with himself and usually i love you know he's he's got really strong dialogue and on this there's about two or three minutes where they're talking about essentially setting up where they are in time and blah blah blah. and the narration is literally when the past is the future the past future is time and time (laughs) is future and past and future and it actually goes on for about two minutes and i'm like all right, guys, we get it. We we get it. We know we know the setup. We get it. The, the things that happen in the first two minutes, like him transporting everywhere and being naked in places or whatever. When that was happening, I was thinking, well, 
surely these could be done individually during the series so we we get more of an idea as it happens in that time and literally all those times where he appears then happen throughout that episode you see them happen throughout that episode and i know i know moffat that literally does like his timey wimey stuff i think the bit where i was out the dialogue is weird the music the incidental music it was driving me potty but the bit (laughs) where i was out was where she was literally in a bra on his lap and they were talking about her as a child and then she says i've grown now though haven't i and i'm like oh my god was it not the line was it love at first sight i hope not that was the other one (laughs) well yeah yeah oh it always had that creepy element, but as soon as that scene happened, I was a bit like, oh, to go back to Doctor Who, it's a bit like Amy Pond's meeting the 11th Doctor for the first time. Yeah, I thought added actually added creepiness. And also the fact that they're meeting at different times in their lives. Is quite like the Doctor and River Song. Mm, yeah. So obviously the book came out in 2003 and Moffat didn't have Doctor Who till like 2010. This obviously seems like a passion project for him that he. He's wanted to do this. I literally wrote down Claire is literally Amy Pond, the girl who waited, yeah. Yeah. and Henry is wisecracking Matt Smith Doctor. Yeah. There's nothing about this that is new. Well, in, from the first episode, that is new to what Moffat has done, and he's done this kind of thing a lot better before. And everything's explained to you in so much detail that it becomes so laborious it's like we get we get he's going back in time we get that they they're going to be a couple married it's so overly done it's so weird it's such a strange thing i find it both confusing and dull that's my i was so bored i started cleaning my keyboard on my laptop (laughs) i i would say the best thing that stephen moffat has ever done on tv is press gang personally that was his best series um sarah anything to add Oh, the script was made up of like 95% zingers, everyone being clever, clever with each other. And that mm. was tiresome. I mean, that um, is a Moffat trait. Yeah, that's oh, all the Moffatism. It, it is, it is. And it was that weird sort of glowing, warm fairy tale lighting and the sort of like magical score that they used was really strange. They were going for this kind of twee, cosy feel. And then there's all that massive pool of blood in the bathroom and something to do with severed feet. So, you know, there's bad juju coming as well. Um, also feels like he groomed her as a child. It's very Um, icky, isn't it? That's the word I would use. And they actually went in for it. Did you notice? It's morally complicated. It's yucky if you give it a moment's thought. She's brushing her My Little Pony mane (laughs) and they actually make a grooming joke. She says it's not brushing, it's grooming. And he went, whoop, better leave that alone. They actually said it it was in the script it came out of their mouths i was like guys is this like hilariously self-knowing or just plain uncomfortable because the tone is all over the place those kind of little moments didn't land because the tone like henry himself is all over the place yeah it's just i don't understand these people need therapy because along with the haven't i grown she said to him I grew up waiting for you I formed myself around you that is a really unhealthy relationship also when she's there with her dainty little school shoes on and she puts his grown adult shoes down next to hers those two sets of feet together that that speaks volumes in daddy issues it's really weird and they just play up to it at every opportunity. And it's just... Uh, when you were saying about how all of the action was in the first sort of two minutes, 
because they're desperate for you to keep watching. It did feel like, hey, guys, there's going to be shooting and nakedness and time travel. Woo. It's not just for like people who go to book clubs and drink wine. But there is the sort of like sad, lonely, left behind partner traipsing around the house going, I am so sad and lonely and romantic. So, you know, it tries to do both. And there's also what? throwing up every time. I don't think we mentioned oh, that. that was time. foul. When he's leaving, he coughs or something like that. There's sort of a, yeah, an indication of when again, he's going to leave. Yeah, yeah so there's when, a lot of puking going on in time travel. <laughs> when their older selves talking to the camera go with cliched lines like, well, where do we start? And all that kind of thing. Who are they talking to? Are they talking to an interviewer, a, mm. a therapist? Because that's what they oh, need. Yeah, that is a really good question. It did, I, as I said earlier, it just felt a bit kind of weird. Modern family. Yeah, it it is odd. It just it is... How do we tell this story to start off with? That's what it feels yeah, like. They but. were trying to make sure that all of the information we needed and all of the teasers for what happened was crammed in in the first two minutes. Maybe it's a police interview about historic child abuse. <laughs> in the original, then, is it the same premise? Like uh, a girl? Yes. The girl who waited is a thing. and So it's obviously a Moffat loves that. Perhaps sort of like nearly 20 years ago, we weren't quite as aware of grooming. Because it's an adaptation and he can do what he wants with it. Why can't that person be 18, 20, 21? Mm. You said Passion Project, Michael. Is that something that you've read or was that just No, it just it, it, it just falls into all the things that Moffat's done for Doctor Who. And like the, the girl, I didn't realise the girl who waited was really a trope and he did that for Doctor mm. Who. So it's. When he he takes on these, he he's lo- he loves Sherlock, he loves Doctor Who, he's taken them on. He obviously loves the Time Traveller's wife, so he wants to do his thing with that. He's got a thing for redheads as well, hasn't he? Mm, definitely. Whereas yeah. Leslie Ca- has the same shade. Careful, of- Sarah. <laughs> shade of hair. <laughs> Theo James, I, was, I wasn't aware of any TV work, but I think he's quite a big name because he's done the Divergent he, films. So maybe he's, he's into done... like sci-fi, timey-wimey stuff himself. Sanditon, my friend tells me. Jay, oh, is it Jane okay. Austen adaptation on, on Brickbox? The thing that drove me most potty was there's a bit where he was just walking around the house, cleaning up the house a bit, and there was a whole orchestra with flutes bleating on. And I was just like, we don't need this. It's just too intrusive because he's literally just walking around the house. So it's, it feels like they have to. It's like they're trying to dial the romance up to 11 isn't yeah it, you know? yeah it's almost like a soaring string comedy music do, 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 do. <laughs> like something's going to happen they're going to kiss and it's going to be weird <laughs> <laughs> oh most moffat things i think sometimes people have a go at him a bit too much but this this was weird because my feeling is it's just like an another gig for, you know someone said is this book can you adapt it or do you think it was the other way around? No, I think Moffat's gone yeah. to TV companies. Yeah, the storyline is so similar mm. to yeah. Pond. It's Definitely. just like, it would be spooky if, if this had come out of nowhere for him. So I think this is a, a thumbs down all round here. I found it a struggle. I, really I think did. at least Conversations with Friends had some in- intriguing characters, I think. The episode length helps here. I think that this one reminded me a little bit of Lois Lane and Clark Kent, that sort of weird dynamic Mm. to their relationship. And it wasn't a very well fleshed. It felt like a sort of a script for a superhero movie. There wasn't a lot of depth to it. Like a CW show in the the States, you know, very sort of teen orientated almost where, but it's on HBO. Mm, It is strange. It's the other thing. And it's, 
Sky Atlantic over here. I think um, when, I believe I think Monday when, nights. I think when Moffat is on form, I think his dialogue is really good. There was nothing good about this dialogue thing. It oh, was we a, can definitely agree on that. It was all just yeah. so obvious. But again, if you want to watch this, <laughs> Sky Atlantic, nine o'clock on Monday nights. I, I think a very sort of interesting lineup diverse this week. I think there's something that all of us have liked. Yeah, so do you want to just go through your Twitters again? Yeah, I'm Yekim underscore Mikey on Twitter. I'm at Sarah Hamstera. Yeah, and I am at Matt's TV Bytes and the uh, the website at Luke Custard TV. On the show next week, we've got another Apple TV Plus drama, Now and Then, and uh, Amy Schumer's uh, Life and Beth, which is coming to Disney Plus. Uh, but that is all for this week. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.